This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. For any artist, glowing reviews and standing ovations are great, but they don't pay the rent. There's nothing quite like a big-money prize to serve as an early-career springboard or a mid-career boost or a way to fund the next big project. With no-strings-attached gifts, the money can also help with more mundane things in life. On the other hand, just because there's a lot of cash doesn't make the honor meaningful. Joining us to talk about this are Jacob Harold, the president and CEO of GuideStar USA, an organization that tracks nonprofit organizations, and Holly Williams, an arts and features writer for The Independent in London. Holly, you looked at one of Britain's biggest arts prizes, a £50,000 award that is given by the Paul Hamlin Foundation to a handful of visual artists and composers. You asked five of the recipients what the money had brought them. Generally, what did you find? Well, it was quite impressive, the range of things that people had used the money for. There were sort of obvious ways of spending it. So for an older visual artist to... uh, get some assistance to help her produce large-scale work, but also perhaps less expected things like buying a mobile disco. Um, so, yeah, there was a... What is a, a mobile range. disco? <laughs> One artist, uh, Yannick Schaefer, bought, bought a, a disco that he can take to initially for kids' parties and now also for weddings, um, and he plays what he thinks is the greatest dance music ever, and that was kind of a way to make extra money to fund his sound art, but also has now become sort of part of his art, part of his whole kind of career. Do you think that's what the Paul Hamlin Foundation expected when they gave these artists 50,000 pounds? Well, part of the awards sort of what makes it unusual is that there are no strings attached that they can use the money for whatever they want. So, you know, various people I spoke to made a joke about, you know, not blowing it all on fast cars or champagne. (laughs) I think... I think they're aware that most people are going to use the money in order to further their career and to often buy space or time or yeah, new ways to fund their artistic work. Jacob, from the foundation's standpoint, how much are awards given because of altruism and how much are they, maybe to put it frankly, good marketing gimmicks? Well, this brings up the question of what is marketing for in philanthropy? If marketing is simply for celebrating the name of a foundation, that probably doesn't do society very much good. However, if the marketing is to advance a kind of art or to encourage more donations to come to a given community or to celebrate the work of a given artist, then marketing can be a very powerful accelerator of the the strategy of the foundation. And so it's one of many variables that a foundation or an individual funder might consider when they're thinking about how they want to use their money to advance the things that they care about. Holly, what is the Paul Hamlin Foundation, and what are they trying to do with this money? So it rewards money to lots of different artists, uh, and, and this award has been going for 20 years, uh, and it's presented to artists and composers at a sort of significant point in their career when, you know, maybe they seem to be doing well within their field but perhaps haven't got as much recognition as they deserve or, uh, you know, the, the artist put forward a kind of proposal for why they kind of deserve this money. The head of Warner Music Group, a billionaire named Len Blavatnik, just established the Warner Music Prize, which will be 
$100,000 in cash to be given out annually to a classical musician between 18 and 35 years old who shows strong career potential. Is that the kind of money that you need to get your prize in the news today? Is it sort of like the lottery that the bigger the jackpot, the more coverage it gets? Well, you know, again, it gets to the question of is getting the prize in the news the point or is the point to find and celebrate and support those artists that you really want to raise up to another level? Again, there may be an argument sometimes for really trying to get your prize in the news to raise it to the level of a Nobel Prize or a MacArthur Genius Grant so that it has its own sort of cachet. But I would hope that funders are really thinking about supporting artists and that that's their number one priority and that they're thoughtful about what is the point in an artist's career where they want to intervene. You may want to retrospectively celebrate a great artist and to give a imprimatur at the end of their career. Or you may want to take a mid-career artist and accelerate their work. Or you may have a strategy which is really about emerging artists um, where they may not be well-known, but the idea is to give them enough traction to be able to, to grow their work. And this is yet another case where funders just need to be thoughtful about how they're taking their capital and applying it, not for their own sake, but for the sake of advancing what, what it is that they care about. Do you see a particular trend these days in how foundations or funders are deciding to do this? Are they going for the more flashy or are they going for the more thoughtful? Or uh, What I would say is that philanthropy has become so big that you see all different shades, all different approaches. I mean, it's now more than $300 billion uh, a year in the U.S. that's given away to nonprofit organizations of various kinds. And within that is an immense diversity, those that give anonymously, those that give purely out of self-interest in order to advance something that really only helps them. And then the bulk of donors who give out of a sense of altruism, but also in a connection to things that they, that they really care about. Do you think that any of this is siphoning money away from more serious things that might need it? Well, I mean, that's a hard question. And I think it is impossible to coherently weigh should money go to an arts prize or to climate change advocacy or to education in an underserved community. Those are very, very hard questions. I like to say that donors should choose their issues with their heart and then choose organizations or strategies with their head. So we can't expect to be analytical and radical and, and rational about um, every aspect of giving. But once we've come to understand what we're truly passionate about, take a breath and try and be intentional about it so we can squeeze as much good out of every dollar. Does it seem like there are foundations that give money away that are just particularly focused on the flash, the news value, and the flip side that there are foundations who just do it quietly and don't mind doing it quietly and just want to get the work done? Question for um, either of you. Yeah, I, I, I think there probably is a difference, but it's also, you know, things become sort of historical. And, you know, once you've had one year of very controversial winners or something, then it becomes something people follow. And that just that kind of develops naturally as well, I suppose. And again, just in the context of the U.S., depending on how you count, there are close to 80,000 foundations. Now, of that, only about 5,000 are big enough to have any staff. So the others are essentially bank accounts, but they're often very big bank accounts. So within that, again, you see an immense amount of diversity. And I think one of our challenges as a field is how do we more effectively learn from each other? If one foundation launches a prize that not only gets a lot of media attention, but really helps a set of artists to advance in their careers, you know, there are going to be choices that they've made that made that prize successful. 
And so a question for us is how do we figure out what those choices are uh, and share that learning with other foundations who may care about the same issues or who may want to take the experience from the arts community and apply it to those who are innovating in, uh, in health, for example. Can a really high-profile prize, do you think, also raise the public awareness of the arts? In England, you've got the Paul Hamlin Foundation here, the MacArthur Genius Grants. They don't necessarily all go to artists, but these days, everybody looks every year who's going to win a MacArthur grant. Do you both think that this really can elevate these things in the general public's view? I mean, I I would say yes, but I think that that is by far the second most important aspect of these prizes. The important thing is that the money allows artists to do something useful. I mean, if you really wanted to advance uh, the public's understanding of the arts, there are more efficient ways to do it than prizes. Absolutely, I agree. I think also um, these awards can be really valuable in broadening who gets to pursue a career in the arts because, you know, it is very expensive business whether it's renting a studio or buying, you know, world-class uh, instruments or, you know, just having the time and the space to think about what you want to produce. Uh, and several people I spoke to for the piece that I wrote sort of expressed their concern that the arts maybe become privileged or elitist if only people with lots of money behind them when they start uh, can advance their careers. And I think a lot of these, you know, foundations want perhaps to, to counteract that as well and to give people the opportunity to really go deeply into their work and develop their practice. On the other hand, this week, the University of Louisville's 2015 Grawmeyer Award for Music Composition went to Wolfgang Riem, who is an extremely established composer. And earlier this year, the Vienna Philharmonic won the million-dollar Birgit Nielsen Prize. You could maybe argue that a lot of struggling orchestras could really have used that million dollars and that there were other people who might have gotten the Grawmeyer? I mean, this is a question where you want to define what type of excellence are you trying to support? Are you trying to support true world-class performance, or are you trying to support creativity or a symphony that engages in the local community or an orchestra that operates in a small town? I mean, you can create criteria for an award across many different axes for many different purposes, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. If what you really want to do is raise the highest level of performance and celebrate that, then sure, give it to the Vienna Philharmonic. That makes sense if that's your goal. But if you have another goal, you want more people to have access to high-quality classical music performance, then you might want to have a different strategy. Do you have a rough idea of how many of these awards and prizes have strings attached and how many can be used towards anything? You know, that's a good question. I don't have the exact data, but I think it gets to Holly's distinction between between an award and a prize. You know, there are many grants that are a form of a prize simply because they're competitive, and a foundation has funds to support um, an organization working on literacy in the inner city, and there are 10 organizations who apply and only two get the grant. In a way, there are characteristics of that that are like a prize. But then there are, are prizes that are really meant to celebrate excellence along whatever criteria a, a funder chooses. And uh, those tend to come without strings attached, from my experience. I I don't, again, have the exact data. Whereas grants often have a lot of strings attached, for better and worse. There are those times when those strings attached help to ensure accountability and learning and sharing of whatever it is that's, uh, that's been done. And other times they can be a needless bureaucratic hassle that don't actually help an organization uh, do its work. 
We have mentioned the MacArthur Genius Award, which is a stipend of now $625,000 paid in annual installments over five years. When Alex Ross, music critic of The New Yorker, got the MacArthur, we asked him how he was going to use the money, and he said he was going to build new CD shelves for his apartment. (laughs) What's the best response that you have ever heard to the question, what are you going to do with the prize money? I can't say that I've heard a lot of specific responses, but I will say I think there's a beautiful there's a beauty to that response, which is the MacArthur grant is is so um, flexible because it recognizes that for certain types of talent, you really have to allow that individual to make choices that make sense to them. And CD shelves to help him have a better understanding of his music library and to have that inform his future work. It sort of weirdly makes sense. Of course, and this was several years ago, back when you still needed well, right, yeah, that's shows. Right. <laughs> so it may have, you know, in retrospect, not have been a strategic investment. But, you know, at the time, um, you know, I think it fits with the spirit, at least, of, of the MacArthur Award. Holly? Uh, sure, absolutely. I'm one, one of the people that I spoke to, that it sort of surprised me that they were kind of like, oh, uh, yes, I got, got the roof fixed in my studio. You don't sort of think of very well uh, esteemed artists maybe working in... Um, you know, with a bucket on the drips. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was the little unlikely things that you, made you kind of realize, actually, this money can can turn things around in, in practical and small but really valuable ways to help. It does turn out that artists have to eat and they have to have shelter. And, and, you know, we too often forget that and we have to understand the economic context that art is created within. And need CD shelves and need a roof over their studio. Thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely glad to be here. Our guests were Jacob Harold, the president and CEO of GuideStar USA, and Holly Williams, an arts and features writer for The Independent in London. Brian Wise is the producer of Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thank you for listening.